Good morning. My name is Eliah Bushleck, and I'm one of the youth interns here at Marion Methodist. Today, our first scripture comes from Genesis 1, 26 through 28. It reads, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Our second scripture comes from Genesis 2, 21 through 24. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she is, was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. And we ask that everyone would just stay safe. And we, we give thanks for this place of worship and just to be able to be here in your presence, Lord. And we thank you for keeping Mike safe these past couple of weeks. And we ask you just to speak through him so that we can experience you and experience the Holy Spirit and may it enter our hearts in this morning. In your heavenly name, amen. What was something fun you did with your family this summer? We went on a family trip to Colorado and we went hiking and it was just beautiful up there. It was gorgeous. My favorite thing about our summer was that we were hugely surprised when we found out that our neighbor behind us has his pyrotechnics license and absolutely loves fireworks. And we saw the most amazing fireworks display of our entire lives, like set off in our backyard. Um, we had a bunch of family over in our backyard pool and we had a big pool party. How did you see God show up in your family this summer? I feel like we've definitely gotten a lot closer through all the things that I've like signed up for in school and like we're like a lot more supportive of each other now than we ever have been. I saw God work for our family or in our family this summer when our boys went to summer games. That was an amazing um, experience for them and I honestly feel like Rain came home like being just a more loving, kind kid to me so that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Jonah got baptized. It was. It was a big moment for our whole family to be there and watch him be fully submerged in the trough and see him you know, fully accept Jesus and be born new. It's cool to be part of the family of God, amen? So glad you're here today. Um, I want to welcome all of you that are worshiping on the church on, as part of the church online. Uh, for the last couple weeks, I got to be part of that church, and you guys are kind of fun to be uh, participating with, so I'm glad to be uh, here, but it was fun to be uh, at home as well and be part of the worshiping uh, community. Um, Marion Methodist, um, in the last few weeks, we've put out our window clings. Have you seen them yet? Have you got one? Um, they're available at both of our um, welcome centers on your way out after you buy your barbecue. No, you don't have to buy barbecue, but go ahead and grab one. And I think they're, they're a great opportunity for us 
Um, you know, I put mine in my car last week, I guess. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us and for you as you move around the community um, to show your faith in Christ. You know, it's an outside, you know, gesture to show your pride in this church and that you're happy you're a part of it. And of course, by having it on your car, you're inviting somebody else to come alongside it. If they see enough of these in the parking lots, maybe they'll say, we should check that place out at REC Drive and Highway 13. So go ahead and grab as, as many as you want. I've seen a couple of them too already on people's storm doors at the front of their house, which is a good um, declaratory thing. Maybe we'll get a couple of your Amazon delivery people to come. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so go ahead and install them. Um, secondly, um, I want to take a minute and just thank you for your prayers. Um, I think it was mentioned earlier. Um, in the scripture, it says, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. I think when we prayed over this congregation a couple weeks ago and prayed over every seat and every element that's on this building, we prayed over our schools, we believe that those prayers are answered. And I just, on behalf of Teresa and myself, you know, we've had a couple of health situations, a couple of surgeries this late summer uh, time that had some uh, potentially hard hardships to them, but we feel like we're coming through uh, well. I want to thank you for your prayers. I've just been enveloped in prayers, and I could repaper a wall with all the cards you sent, so thank you so much. That's very kind. Um, it's good to be part of a family and loved, and I want to ask this. Um, while we've appreciated your prayers, and they were extremely helpful um, in feeling the love, I'd ask you to continue those because there are many others in our congregation now that, that are, I, I can tell you this, once you've had a surgery and you go home, you're not healed, right? We've got a lot of people in our congregation dealing with this and that, health-wise and otherwise, so never stop praying for the people of your congregation. Some of them wear a microphone and stand in front of you. Most don't. Uh, so pre please, 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 I ask you to pray. So today the work we're going to do, in addition to baptizing Davis and Drew, well done, guys. You, we're proud to have you with us. Um, we're going to uh, look at something that every single one of us has. And curiously enough, it's not a left shoe. Have you noticed that? We, we kind of have a little game in our family that as we see shoes on the road, what's the deal with that? That there are more left shoes than right shoes. Have you had that game going in your family? So I just assumed, you know, that all of us that walk around have two left shoes, but apparently that's not true. So I'm not gonna talk about that. And I also, you know, when you say, well, everybody has one, we typically say an opinion, right? But I was talking to some people a couple weeks ago and uh, one of them turned to, to one of the women in the group and said, so what's your opinion on this? She says, I don't have one. Clearly, she's not a Methodist. <laughs> uh, you people got opinions on everything. But I kid the Methodist because I love you so. But that's not really what I want to focus on today either. In ways that are large and small, they are critical in developing our personalities, our core values, and our life goals. And some are profoundly positive and life-giving. They're the greatest asset that some of us have in our lives. They are that group that blesses us with unconditional acceptance and love just for being us. But some have profoundly negative and abusive influences. They become the foe that should be the friend. And the acceptance and affirmation that is craved within them is never received. Every single one of us has a family. 
We've come from a family. They might all be different makeups, but we all come from a family. And I do celebrate from the, the depths of my being with you who celebrate yours. And maybe even more profoundly, I, I ache and pray for those of you here and as a church online where family is just hard. The word you describe your family with is it's just hard. Because the truth is, and we know it's true, even though we don't say it out loud very often, we know that family is so impactful in every life. So, so um, we're going to spend six weeks here under a sermon series called Fight With Your Family. And during that time, um, you're going to be encouraged to have profoundly life-giving influence on your own family, which I know takes a great deal of effort. We, we do, if we want to be a good influence, if we want to be a strong influence, we want to be a loving influence, we want to be a Christian influence, it takes a lot of effort and work. And not only do I encourage you to have a great influence on your own families, but I encourage those of you that then get life-giving stuff from your family to let it flow over to your neighbors in the north and south, east and west. Just let them drink from some of that cup because some of them are struggling to get by day by day. We pray that you'll be encouraged, that you'll be inspired, that you'll be strengthened if you're in one of those difficult things, that you can be the one, that your generation can be the one that breaks the chain where your family has been difficult and that it can be transform some th from something that's very hard to something that's very wonderful. And we're going to spend a lot of time in worship here and around worship um, seeking to encourage you, not only from the pulpit, by, but by your church family, and to be strengthened and supported to, to take whatever steps necessary that, that, that you know of because you're in your own family to grow your family, whatever it's makeup, because we're going to talk a little bit about the broad makeup of, of the American family. Whatever your age group is, it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 80. If we're in a family, there's opportunity to profoundly, positively affect people and to give life-giving uh, influence to every member of your family. And of course... Eliah read from the Word of God. You know where you're at. You're not in some auditorium. You're not just grabbing a YouTube or a TED Talk somewhere. We're going to, in the church of the living God, be inspired by the Word of God and God's design for the human family. So this is the foundational talk on, on which the others will be built up and around for God's design for human families. The family, ordained by God, is the foundational institution of society. Now, God in Scripture, so I challenge you to look this up in Scripture, or probably most of you will just Google it, but there are three institutions that God ordains. The first one, and that's the primary one, is the family. Family is the highest God ordained priority of all of humanity. You read the Bible, and I do. In Genesis 1, it starts right out with this very simple thing. I mean, Eliah read it for us a couple moments ago, that the family is created in the likeness of God. The very first thing it talks about in humanity is we are created in their image, the image of God. So that doesn't mean that God looks like this. We know that God's much more attractive than this. But what we do know is that God gives us the image of himself, which is the eternal personality. That from now until forever, we are created in the image of God. And we can live that way. And we are given then, right in Genesis 1 again, the blessing to reproduce. It says, go forth and multiply. One of the best things humanity's been at throughout its oral history is making more of us. 
right? And we're given that God-ordained responsibility to do that, that opportunity, and the, the opportunity to, to reproduce, and then in, in Genesis 1, staying right there, God gives us the responsibility rule. Some of you have, you know, Bibles that are less uh, modern than what we just read, but it says the opportunity to rule or have dominion over all of creation. That is to say that the image of God put in uh, to humanity is the image through which creation is supposed to be led, guided, and reproduced. And then if you turn the page to Genesis 2, and Eliah did, there is that very clear image of partnership, that partnership is precious within humanity. We are not meant to live a solitary existence. We're meant to be in families. And so God ordains and consecrates that family is important. Absolutely important making clear to us and everybody that preceded and following us that the family is the heart of a culture. No matter what culture you're in, the family is always at the center of them. There's more of them than any other thing. <coughs> there's, there's more families here than there are churches here. There's more families here than any other organization that we have here. So, and we understand that our real values, not the ones we want to have, but the ones that we actually have are learned through the family. We go to school, I know that. We go to Sunday school, we go to 412 and all that, but our real values are learned through the family. Now, all of us here, or most of us here anyway, are a little bit familiar with Iowa and an Iowa blizzard. So I, I live just down the road, right in the last neighborhood before it comes out to where the snow really blows on Highway 13. I just live a block off Highway 13 so I can see it out my front window and all that kind of stuff. So about 15 years ago, there was a typical Iowa Friday night blizzard. I knew that because it canceled the basketball games that night. And sometimes on the way out of town, even though our neighborhood's pretty filled with, with people, um, the snow gets so thick out there before the snow plows go that you can't get all the way into the neighborhood. And so it happens about once every two or three years that people are trying to get off the interstate or off of Highway 13 because it's starting to be a whiteout and they pull up as far as they can up Prairie Ridge Drive and then they park. Or in the case of this blizzard, they get halfway up the blocker stuff and they're stuck because there's cars on both sides and the snow's just starting to pile up. Well, it was one of those days, right? So the next morning I woke up and I heard snowblowers and it was just like, you know, you know how it is after an Iowa blizzard? It's bright as bright and cold as cold and windy as windy, right? And I look out there and there's these two young guys, 19, 20 years old, like that. Not, 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 not parents or anything like these young guys in coveralls, all covered up. And they're wearing snowblowers, but what they're doing is they're snowblowing the street. Snowplows can't get it because the street's too clogged, right? They're going from car to car and starting at the, at the closest one to the highway, the, the, the owners are starting to show up and stuff. They're getting them unstuck. There were eight cars. And in about an hour's time, they got them all stuck. Now, in the middle of that time, one guy's dad showed up. And he was probably 45 or whatever, you know. And he started helping them. And I was out there because I went out to help because I could see it all. And I had, you know, Christian guilt to not get out there. <laughs> you know, come on. My cars were in the garage, but, you know. Um, plus, I have a Cub Cadet snowblower so I could help. But anyway, shout out to Kirk McNeil. I just had to say that. But, um, so the dad comes. We're just talking, you know, because we're older. So we're letting the guys do most of the work. And I, was talking, I said, man, your kid's amazing. 
I said, he's been out here for an hour and it's freezing. And he looks at me, you know, all bundled up, Iowa snowstorm. He says, I never taught him that. I said, sir, you are mistaken. You have only taught him that. Those are your values. He just beat you here because you were probably working. That's what you'd have done if you'd have been here first. And he says, ah, yeah. See, see, our values are learned through consistent behavior and persistent teaching. And as the family goes and their values, so goes the culture. Now, that's why we talk about, as, uh, at the outset, God's design for the family. Family is constituted by marriage and is composed of persons related to one another by marriage, by blood, or adoption. And the scriptural model, and uh, we don't shy away from this because scriptures are core here, the scriptural model of humanity's beginning shows that a male and a female can grow a lifelong partnership. Now, that's the perfect design. Don't miss that. This is the way, you know, God says, male and female, I create them. I put them together. Marriage is, marriage is the first thing. Now, don't miss this because I understand the world in which we live in truly and clearly. The perfect design, because it's filled with imperfect people, can sometimes fail. The faulted pieces within it fail. And so what God has done and shown us by his perfect image is that the definition of marriage or, or of family can be expanded. There are times when, when our spousal relationships have not worked out, someone dies, other kind of things. And so the definition and the application of family is broadened. And you want to know how? Some people have said, oh gosh, you know, Pastor Mike, you can't really do that. You know, marriage between one man, one woman, and it never changes. I've said, okay. That's what family is, okay, but wait. Do you believe in the power of the Holy Scriptures? Because I do. Even in the Bible, even in the Bible, the Ancient of Days shows us that the definition of family is expanded. You know, one of the greatest stories in the Bible, they're all great, but do you know the story of Esther? Do you know anything about her parents? Queen Esther, right? One of the most famous Judaic queens. It says in the Bible that her uncle Mordecai raised her because, quote, she had no parents. Now, we know she obviously had parents. We don't know what became of them. But Mordecai raised her child, raised their child, part of her, his family. And we also see other times where what's called a fictive family, that is to say people that aren't related, relatives and that sort of thing, or you have a, a spouse that, that wasn't maybe the, the, the biological parent come into this, and you read scriptures and you see it all over. This, this new word, it's called fictive family. Teresa and I were that once. Uh, years ago, we were in our late 20s. Talk about a, a trial run into parenthood. We had moved to Western Colorado, and there was a student in our previous youth group who was having lots of problems at home. I'm talking about police being called, situations like that. And his mother said, she was a single mom, she said, would you guys possibly take him for a whole school year? I think we were to like 27 and 25 or something like that. And so this student came to live with us and we were family for a year. And I can tell you why I know we were family. Because I'd been his youth pastor, the cool mullet-wearing youth pastor and all that kind of stuff, you know. And one day he came in and said, hey, I'm going out with these guys tonight. And I said, yeah, no. 
And he kind of laughed. He's like, I said, no. He said, what? And I said, hey, you were supposed to do this. You didn't. So no. That's how we, we knew we were family. Is because Pop said no, right? But family, the, 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 the definition of family or the components of family is, of course, broadened because it has to do with love and support and, and care. And the stability of a community depends on the stability of the families that comprise it. And we see this because I just want to share with you, I'm a social science guy, so I have to share with you a little bit. Most, the most positive or most positive social indicators are related to a strong family life. Now, this is just facts. From emotional wellness to psychological wellness to social wellness. Strong, intact families provide the, pro, the primary de, um, de, discri, discriminator for a couple of things. In the Iowa prison population, 80% of those that are incarcerated, you know, like this year, 2023, 80% of them come from a non-intact family, which is to say they spent most of their life with less than two parents, with less than two positive role models in their homes. 80% come from that. Not only that, but 23% of our population uh, is under the poverty line in, in, uh, in Iowa. Of this 23%, there's actually 30% of us that are under the poverty line, but 23% of those under the poverty line have one commonality. That is to say, that they've, they're being raised with only one parent. No grandparents in the house, no second parent. And not only that, here's one that just really slays my soul. And I wrote this in the Marian Methodist, but you didn't all read it. So I'm gonna tell you again. Understand this, that an intact family is one of the designators as to whether a child will become a Christian. Understand this, right now in, in our state or in, or in the USA, 50%, 50% of the children being raised right now are in intact families. And in that 50% of American families, 90% of the people who come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are raised through that, through intact families. A huge imbalance, which means the other 50%, which is represented by families that are not intact, only 10%, probably the same number of children though, right? So we're really losing a lot of children to their, their eternal life, their salvation, by that, by that indicator, which gives us a responsibility that we need to fight for families of every kind every single kind of family because God's design for the family is life-giving. The family is the educational unit that God created to transfer the godly legacy to subsequent generations and for each generation to impact the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect community, in perfect communion are the perfect family. See, God shows himself as community and he shows us that that's the perfect way to live. So God 
made us male and female with the purpose of bringing us together in divine unity, a unity that parallels what, 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 the, what, what the Godhead is as family. And that oneness that could be the family inclines our thoughts to the unity that we see in God. And so our family, thusly, reflects the glory of God to the world in which we live. Now, don't be discouraged because we're doing foundations, but do, don't be discouraged if you or your family is not perfect. Don't be discouraged if you or your family don't match God's perfect design. We're fallible and failing, and we understand that. And so, to help us understand that, I reached out to a couple families, and you're going to see something from different families throughout this series. I, I reached out to two of our young families and say, how, how did you see, or how do you see God's grace in your family? So the, the, the first family I reached out to is David and Morgan Nealon. Usually they sit up here in the front row, and you see them and their three lovelies pictured there. And I want to read the email Morgan sent to me. Our family, like everyone else's, is single, is perfect in every single way. But of course, I'm kidding, she writes. But thankfully, we don't need to be perfect. Heavenly Father has given us the room to be flawed, frazzled, and utterly human through grace. Yeah? He knew Dave would cuss at the guy who cut him off on his way home from work. So Dave does not get a Marian Methodist cling. He knew I would have panic attacks in the middle of family events. He knew my kids would avoid listening to the instructions as if they would condemn them instead of help them. He knew all these things and still gave us redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. One way I know that God has offered us these things, and my favorite way, Morgan writes, is because we have each other. Every night we do a family prayer together as we put the kids to bed. Sometimes it's a long list. Sometimes it's almost thanks and good night. But every single time, no matter how long or how short those prayers are, they always have, we thank you for our family. Morgan writes on, my plan in life was to be single forever with no kids, just cats and books and traveling. Dave never planned to have kids, but God saw the bigger picture and knew that we wouldn't be completely fulfilled until we had our three. And if you know us, you know we didn't do anything to plan our timeline. We don't do anything in the order it's supposed to be. God's plan isn't always our plan, but it's always the right one. I love that. You know, that's not from a preacher. That's from a, you know, a devout Christian in your congregation. And her testimony to you and me is be encouraged. We're not perfect, but we are promising. God's design for your family is always there, and it's always the right one. And notably, his, his design is ancient. It's perfect, and it works and has worked in every generation. And notably, the, 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 the greatest war in the world may be the perpetual struggle between the cultural worldview and the biblical worldview. And the battle has been raging ever since the first man and woman got booted out of the Garden of Eden. And it will continue to rage until Christ comes in final victory to restart his own kingdom here. And thousands of problems stem from one single bad root, the breakdown of the family. And it's biblical. 
Understand that the first family was, in the terms of our world today, a mess. Don't believe me? Check this out. The first family, in page three of the scripture, introduces the whole idea of breaking from God's will, introduces sin into the world. In page four, the first brother, the first son born of the first family does what to his brother? He murders him. So we got sin and murder in the first four pages, proving that from the very start, every family needs the Lord. Because that's what they'd broken from. And what you hear from our families is that Jesus Christ offers the grace to our troubled family. So I, I asked a second family, and they're, they're usually right in here. Where are you at, Leanne? Oh, they're, what? Are you okay? All right. They, Paul and Leanne Rodriguez, um, picture from last week's party after church, um, started her response to how does... How does God offer you grace to your family? There's no way around it. Parenting is hard. Now, I thought at this congregation that would get kind of a clap. Parenting is hard. There you go. Parenting is hard. So in a perfect world, she writes, we would show our children patience and regulate our emotions when our children are in the middle of a meltdown or misbehaving. Even better, our children wouldn't melt down or misbehave in the first place. Yeah, good luck with that. Unfortunately, we're imperfect parents and our children are imperfect children. Instead of condemning us to the guilt and shame of a continued failed attempts at perfection, God offers us grace through the continued opportunity to try again. We ask God to forgive our shortcomings and we ask each other for forgiveness. When God grants our requests with a clean slate, just as our children treat each day with a new start as a parent, I see evidence of God's grace through those instances of forgiveness. It is important, friends, at Marian Methodist and beyond to understand that although no families are perfect, God offers redemption and fulfillment through Jesus' work on the cross. So the Christian family must not lose heart. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, never give in then. My dear brothers, never admit defeat. Keep on working. Keep on working at the Lord's work always, knowing that in the Lord you cannot be laboring in vain. See, our Christianity is like the dike that holds evil back, that could break our family. And evil is relentless and tireless. The pressure is significant, and it pounds against the dike uh, until against that dike until the end of time and the only defense that we have as Christian families is to maintain the dike and that maintenance is done in the family by following God's design accepting God's plan receiving forgiveness and Christ's restorative strength there's literally nothing on this world that can break a family unless the family allows itself to be broken up nothing in this world can break up a family unless the family allows itself to be broken up. And I'm here to tell you, and it's what I want you, I hope, to hear the most in this launching talk, is that the situation for the family in Marion and Cedar Rapids and Robbins and Hiawatha is not hopeless. The situation for the family is not hopeless. Believe this, there's only one stronger thing in the world than the faith-filled individual, and that is the faith-filled family, and we will fight for that. Along with my colleagues, along with God's strong hand, Marian Methodist has set its face to fight for the family, so we fight on. 
for that family, and we will not relent.